Brian, what's up, man? Oh, just excited to be here, man. Absolutely yeah. awesome coming off this trip from Montana to Arizona and ready to get back to Montana, but glad I got to swing in and see you for a little bit. Your mustache is very Montana. <laughs> if I had to if I had to frame out a mustache for Mon for, for a Montanan and is that a Montanan? Montanan, that would be it. Looks good. Yeah. The uh, you know, Got a few recommendations that it needs its own Instagram account, but uh, looks great. One person that absolutely despises it, my wife. Does she? Man, every day she's ready for that thing to go. Yeah. Uh, just prior to this trip, I had been growing my hair out for about six or seven months. It was looking pretty good. She at least convinced me to cut that before taking on this trip, but uh, the mustache isn't going anywhere. You can't get you got can't get rid of that. I like my. I'm doing the. I've never done it before, but I'm growing the hair over the lip because it just just because and it just makes it makes a difference and it makes up for the fact that i can't really grow a full beard oh really but i can grow a stash it looks good <laughs> keep the stash you so you just came off a trip and um for people who are listening to this to give them some context obviously we need to know who you are um and uh what organization you work for because one of the things one of the one of my um and personal incentives for for interviewing you is to talk about the organization because all the important work you're doing. So let's get who you are, where you're from, you know, what you do, and then a little bit about your organization. So Brian Flynn and uh, currently serving as the executive director and a co-founder of an organization called Two Wolf Foundation. Um, Two Wolf Foundation focuses on introducing combat veterans and first responders to wilderness and land stewardship and conservation projects. Um, but our approach is a, is a little unique in that it is facilitated by vehicle supported adventure. Uh, we're building a fleet of rigs that are outfitted with the overland equipment that uh, facilitates being able to be self-sustainable over a significant number of days traversing uh, the US public land system in the West to access every different national forest site and or uh, Bureau of Land Management area that we can have a positive impact on. Um, my background came into the Army in 2003, started with 3rd Infantry Division, shot off to Iraq for OIF-3, thought war was freaking rad and just wanted more of it, went over to the 82nd, got put into a battalion that was just standing up and was going to have about an 18-month hiatus in deployment cycle. So went to selection and uh, went through the Q course, ended up at 5th Special Forces Group, was there for a number of years in 3rd Battalion and uh, spent some time on a dive team, spent some time on a mountain team. And that was kind of really where my love for the mountains just began to uh, grow. And when you're getting paid to do it, it makes it, you know, it makes life pretty nice. You're getting paid to go out and train and be up in these environments that uh, just were incredible, mm. you know, that, that passion began to ignite. And, uh, but being stationed down in the Southeast for the majority of my career, uh, it was just little short trips. And when I left active duty in 2014, um, spent a few years as a SEER instructor at Fort Rucker and ultimately decided that I wanted to raise my family out in the West, and we began the process of 
moving out to Montana. We just moved to the Bitterroot Valley uh, about an hour south of Missoula in February and stood up Two Wolf Foundation uh, to support getting guys involved in, in wilderness conservation and land stewardship. That's kind of been the two-year project. And the trip that we just finished was the pilot. After two years of work, mm. we were able to put six dudes in three trucks, traverse the West, camp, bond as a team, encounter obstacles and problems, and were mission-oriented the entire time. And that was kind of the the major focus of what Two Wolf Foundation stands behind is uh, a new mission, a new purpose for combat veterans and first responders. When we when we transitioned from service, I know that my own personal struggle, the greatest struggle that I encountered, was loss of purpose and loss of identity. I had been this Green Beret, I was this, I was that, I had these skills, and when it was gone, I kind of really didn't know who I was anymore. Um, but being engaged in land stewardship and recognizing the endless amount of work that is out there uh, to preserve, protect, and sustain these incredibly therapeutic landscapes, because that's what they are to me. Um, I know a tribe of people. I know a community of hardworking, task-oriented, driven individuals that can step up and begin to invest themselves into a new purpose, a new mission, a new identity. And that's warrior stewardship. That's, that's the programming that we run. So it's interesting. You, 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 the conservation component is one of the incentives, but it's also, like you said, the mission of being together, staying on focus, staying on mission, being task-oriented, and that focus takes you away from the focus that might be in your head or, you know, the mental instability that you're dealing with in the, I would say the real world, but makes you feel like you're back on the teams, back down range again, out in the middle of like a long range movement. It, exactly. The, some of the feedback from the team members having just completed this pilot, um, I mean, guys said it felt like they were falling right back into old habits that made them the successful people that they were at the time that they were in service. They were checking equipment. They were doing map recons. They were oriented to the success of the mission and supporting the team. And, you know, for a lot of guys that are struggling, uh, that isolation element kicks in and guys withdraw from support networks. But a lot of that is just the you know, the negative connotation of, of struggling, man, I've been this barrel chested freedom fighting mofo for years and now I'm not doing so well. I don't want anybody to know about it. That's, that's one of the things that, uh, we're taking a look at is reducing the anonymity of struggle, being proud of who we are, that we're going to invest in this mission, in this trip, in this effort to surround ourselves with good people to accomplish incredible things. Uh, and, and embrace the struggle that, that we're enduring. And mm -hmm. knowing that by reconnecting with a team, that peer support effort, um, we're going we're gonna to get through it stronger by working together rather than, than hitting it alone. And I think that's, uh, you know, in comparison to other mental health treatment processes in particular, you know, the best the – best um, example I can give you are friends that I watched begin to struggle, 
have the courage to step forward and seek help, end up at the VA, and watch the prescriptions just begin to pile on. Mm. And firsthand accounts from these close friends is that if they were already at a diminished version of themselves, if they were already struggling, the pills, man, just drove them worse. And then because that made it worse, what do we introduce? Now we introduce additional negative influencers of alcohol and everything else. And now, now it's a shitstorm. Mm. And for these individuals that we are seeking to engage with warrior stewardship, these are guys that have recognized, these are, these are warriors that have recognized that wasn't working. And we're beginning to work towards something else, coming off all the, the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. um, and being focused on experience, driven by mission, and recognizing that uh, nature, the immersion in nature, mm-hmm. is, is medicine enough. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know that there's a balance there, but spending time connecting to nature is, is rejuvenating it's inspirational, and man, there are some moments where you can't help but just have a period of gratitude when you're out there. You watch a sunrise or a sunset over a mountain ridge, regardless of all of the problems that you know you've encountered in your life. For that moment, mm. you can you can experience some gratitude and appreciate that small moment in your life. What what is the talk? Talk to me about this last trip that you did because I'm interested to know. Like, what's the conservation part of it? What does the process look like? Is there, like, workshops that you've identified along the way that we're going to do, obstacles you intentionally or deliberately put in? How do you kind of process this and activate this for people who are involved? So uh, regarding the the stewardship and conservation side, this particular trip we partnered with the Arizona Trail Association – um, the AZT vets, that's their veteran engagement trail stewardship program. I've got a good friend Chappie that has been their program coordinator and getting veterans engaged in the outdoors, uh, love him like a brother. And he said, dude, if, if you're in on this, we can hook you up with a trail stewardship project on the Arizona national scenic trail. Um, I had gone and visited him last year. We were working a trail reroute, building a brand new section of hiking trail for the Arizona Trail in Temporal Gulch. But uh, this particular project, trail stewardship. So we went out and we were grubbing and brushing and lopping and and, uh, fixing erosion watershed issues on the trail um, which is many in arizona I mean, that's, which yeah, yeah. It's we experienced upon our arrival uh maybe one of their last monsoons that rolled through the oh, wow. phoenix area um and we can talk about the obstacles encountered vehicle supported adventure and being you know living out of the trucks and on the road encountering the you know the effects of weather <laughs> that, yeah but uh regarding our future efforts um Trail stewardship is just one element. I know that uh, for me personally in, you know, the vision and and growing Two Wolf Foundation, I'm looking at engaging in wildlife habitat restoration projects, Um, hoping to be able to work with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation to to do that stuff. Maybe Trout Unlimited. We've talked about, uh, you know, being engaged with the, uh, the different conservation corps across, you know, every state across the West pretty much has their own, uh, state conservation core program that, uh, those are the subject matter experts. I'm not it, Mm. but I recognize that we can bring the muscle. Yeah. Um, but really want to focus in the wilderness, wildlife conservation, habitat management stuff. 
Um, I think that that would be that'd be pretty rad for the experience in in investing into these these areas that provide us so much. Yeah, it's like um, I always think when when I mean everything in my business plan has to include most things I do. Period have to include some type of give back, and I think whether that's experience in learning as a child or as a as a kid and then going into the military it's it's part of what a green beret does as well i mean you do a i mean you do a a med cap and you go out and you set up a clinic and part of the method behind the madness which doesn't seem like a deliberate act but often it is on paper at least you got to build rapport with the the host nation you got to build networks relationships and it starts with doing something outside um, of taking care of yourself being selfless and using your skill sets to improve somebody else's position and and i think you know i i'm i'm on board with you man i ain't leaving the west like i i i grew up in north carolina at the foothills of the appalachians and i look at where i'm at even now and I have to be surrounded by mountains. It's just a different feeling, um, a different way to raise a family. And our trail systems, uh, BLM, National Forest, they need help because nobody's paying attention to them. There's so much going on in the world. Nobody's paying attention to vets anymore because they're over it. But what happens to our peer group who are some of my guys that I grew up with in the military, they're still serving. They're squadrons, command sergeant majors. They're they're troop sergeant majors, they're group sergeant majors, and they're still in it. Um, yeah. Although the pace has slowed down, what are we going to do for those guys who are coming out of 20 years of war? And again, you know, like, like you said, they're dependent on pharmaceuticals as a solution and nothing long term. It's, it's important and it's needed. Um, what about the you know, whenever this is a nonprofit, I assume. Yes. Yeah. We received, we incorporated just back in February and received our 501c3 midsummer. And from there, it was, you know, putting all that work in two years of, of building the plan and, and creating, crafting the vision, refining the concept. And finally, upon our relocation to Montana, being surrounded by public land, now I was immersed in it and, I, and it, was, it was time to move forward and engage. Um, the, the nonprofit side has been an interesting learning curve, mm. you know, coming from an ODA where you're just working in a small team and it's, it's daily assigned mission sets and you just, you know what the tasks are for the day regarding running a nonprofit, man, I'm, it's trial by fire. I'm learning as I go mm-hmm. and leaning on a lot of incredible friends and support, uh, which has, has just been absolutely incredible to sit just like this and talk about warrior stewardship and involving veterans and first responders in, you know, overlanding land stewardship and, and building, strengthening the tribe. Uh, and people just, what do you need? You know, I'm in, this is, this is incredible. Let's, let's be, I want to be a part of this. And so for me being ignorant to a lot of the nonprofit world, I just, it's been incredible to have some support network to lean on while we, while we get this thing up and, just getting done with this pilot. I, I'm in it. I haven't even made it home yet. I've been on. I've been living out of the Forerunner for uh, 11 days, mm. and uh, still processing what just happened. But we we had a night. We had a night around the fire the other night, 
and uh, one of the one of the team members was there, and he was talking about you know over the period of his military career, the the people that he had interacted with, that he had served with. Uh, there's so many moments where we don't give, we don't we don't invest in that in those relationships. It's kind of just mm. a, what can I use you for, yeah. you know, to accomplish the mission, and. So a big, a big proponent of Two Wolf Foundation is promoting post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth, uh, my experience with it comes from attending Boulder Crest Foundation's Warrior Path Program. And an element of post-traumatic growth regarding the significant deep struggle, struggle that we encounter is that on the, on the backside, when you push through and endure, uh, there's an element regarding post-traumatic growth that, that discusses deeper relationships that at that point when you've gone through hell you're able to place a greater value on the people that you have in your life and that surround you know that you're surrounded with that normally may have been superficial interactions are now deep and meaningful Mm. and sitting around that fire there was a moment that I recognized like we okay this is capitalizing on exactly the, this element, making relationships matter more. And that team, everything that they encounter, the obstacles, the struggles, the, you know, the little button hooks to the plan was just building this deeper relationship. And I know that, I mean, you're familiar being on operating in a small team. You, we are blessed to have experienced that, mm. but for the vast majority platoon size or greater, if we look at military, um, you know, it can be hard. It can be hard to experience that true uh, cohesion and commitment to each other. And I saw it in, in nine days, these guys traveling across the West, there was these little flames of just, you know, connection. Mm. And that's what we're about. Connection, service, and growth. I love that, man. I, I think there's a lot of impactful things. I, one, for people who are listening to this, um, me and Brian served at the same time period in different groups. Um, but I met him in the Black Rifle Coffee um, parking lot. <laughs> um, I was there for podcasts or something, and I was coming out and then met these guys. But when I hear uh, kind of a senior Special Forces guy starting something, I immediately kind of get honed in because for the overwhelming majority of the people that I know – that are senior guys in special forces, um, they know how to plan. And most importantly, they know how to execute. So when I hear, hey, we got this thing going and it's beyond the startup, because I hear the startup stuff a lot. It's like they have a nonprofit, they're going on their pilot, they're going to start kind of uh, seeing how this works. They did an after action review, I'm sure. Uh, I want to get invested and involved personally because, um, you know, whether it's, charter running or or helping guys kind of through transitions uh, haven't been through transitions like brian there's a lot of lessons learned you know don't take trazodone and ambien at the same time we'll sip it on a bourbon um so i think it's an important mission and i've i've heard it a lot one thing here when somebody says i got a nonprofit, it scares me right one of the reasons it scares me is because um, a lot of people have tried to capitalize on the veteran struggle. And 
even veterans are trying to capitalize on veteran struggle. Uh, two years ago, I went to a, um, a dinner charity event, and it was in Phoenix, Arizona. And they said it was about connecting entrepreneurs with investors. And they had this whole plug. And I showed up in a suit and tie, which I rarely do that. It just was painful. Um, but I was like, oh, man, this might be an opportunity for the company, for Philcraft. And when I got there, they had fancy bourbon. They had fancy steaks. And they had a whole bunch of fancy people. But nobody was talking to the veteran entrepreneurs. And they had a person talk on the stage for a couple minutes. And then about halfway through, I realized sitting there, watching all the vet, uh, veteran entrepreneurs who were excited about being there and immersed in this booze and this fancy shit, I immediately recognized that this was a tax loophole for wealthy human beings. And it had nothing to do with giving back to people, um, which is why I'm very selective on the 501c3s that we support. I only support a handful of One of them, Warriors Heart Foundation, started, co-founded by Tom Spooner, because I, I went there, I know Tom, uh, I went to his retirement ceremony, he's like one of the best dudes I know from the military experience, but then I went to Warriors Heart in Texas and did a tour, and was like, man, this is amazing. So what I wanna do is I wanna get involved and invested with helping Brian out, because it is needed, and I also, in my own experience, which I'm sure Brian has, has had this uh, similar experience, have seen the benefit of what overlanding can do for you. Backcountry overlanding, living out of a tent on top of your roof, self-sustaining for periods of time and being immersed in nature um, will do a lot of good for you. But with that being said, I also love the concept, it's called Two Wolf, because when I was doing that off my forerunner as a singleton, it didn't make things better. Uh, in fact, I experienced being out in nature by myself made things worse because all I had to do in nature was to think about all the stuff. <laughs> Just crawl into your mind. <laughs> crawl. Right? That's yeah. all I had. And if you watch an episode of Alone, probably about mid-season, um, you'll start to see that where people start falling apart because they're inside their heads. But when you're on task, when you're with people that you love, things things shift. Um, talk to me about um, this nine-day experience and some lessons learned. Give me some pros and uh, like some, some sustains and some things that you think you're going to flex for the next iteration of this. So real quick regarding Warrior's Heart. Yeah. Um, so an element of Two Wolf Foundation focuses on and recognizes that we're not a critical point of care. Yeah. That, that, that discussion clinical, has been had yeah. over and over that, hey, when there are people that are, that are struggling hard. Yeah. Uh, and addiction. Need, and, yep. Addiction, suicide. Yeah suicidal ideation there there are professionals that can manage that um my involvement in supporting the veteran and first responder community we have rolled back and, and peeled back the layers of the process of care yeah and and are specifically focusing on a continued engagement and support network building um for my experience and one of the team members that was on this trip with me uh we both found a path forward out of the darkness through warrior path through boulder crest foundations progressive and alternative training for healing heroes the the post-traumatic growth training curriculum 
teaching 31 wellness practices, teaching you the science of what post-traumatic growth is and managing and dealing with struggle. Interesting. And Clinical professionals there, I imagine. So they've helped script and build the curriculum, but it's delivered by peers. It's delivered by veterans and first responders oh, I love that, that have experienced extreme So your doctrine struggle. is clinically assessed and yeah. validated, but then it's executed by peer. Correct. Oh, that's fascinating. I went to work for them after experiencing it. Yeah, and getting uh, the help you needed. And getting the help that I needed at the recommendation of, you know, it's just pass it on, right? That, that's the philosophy is just continue to promote and pass on post-traumatic growth experiences. Um, so the way that that came about is another brethren of, of the regiment, uh, my, one of my best friends in life, nearing retirement, that looming transition and the pressure of, of, you know, losing identity, mission, and purpose began to go down the rabbit hole, began to really, mm -hmm. really struggle on the verge of retirement. Um, VA and, and unit introduced pills and went downhill, added alcohol, ended up, you know, really, really struggling hard. We get him into a treatment center to get, you know, get all that stuff pulled out of his, you know, daily activity. Um, and then Casey Hildreth, gentleman yeah. that works for you, good yeah. friend of mine and uh, fellow fifth group brother, told our friend, this is what you need. You need to go experience this. And so uh, Justin goes to Warrior Path. I think he called me the day he came home and he said, you need this. And so interesting. I was I mean, I could hear life back in his voice. Yeah. And now, now my curiosity's peaked. Now I'm like, hmm. Knowing what he was before he went to this training and hearing the life in him on the backside and, and the conviction in which he was able to tell me, you need this. Uh, it, it, I immediately went into 18 Fox mode, man. I go to, I'm doing that Intel assessment. I am researching everything I can find about it. And, uh, you know, as happy as I was for my friend that had been really, really having a hard time and now seeing the possibility of, of growth, uh, you know, my immediate thought was, you know, what about all the other friends? What about if Cody would have been exposed to this and, and known, would he still be here? Mm. And uh, so I signed up. I went. And it was through that process that. I realized there are people doing incredible work to provide that introduction and get the ball rolling in the right direction. But man, we need people to continue to push that ball uphill. It, it's interesting you say that because it, 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 the first thing I thought about the activities and the mission that you're driving is that's the sustainment plan. That's it. Right. Cause you have the initial training, you understand, you know, you understand the diagnostics of why things are happening to you, which I think, intelligent human beings like most green berets i know when they start realizing they could identify the symptom and diagnose it themselves that gives them power back but also kind of detaches them from the circumstances and they become this passive observer to what's going on in their head and they're like oh my palms are sweating i'm getting worked up i'm getting anxious they're recognizing the pattern of the behavior and they have tools to manage it as soon as that experience is done it's like mental hygiene if you don't sustain it and you don't practice it it's going to become perishable yeah and then you're going to collect plaque and you're going to play you're going to get to a point potentially 
where um, things start culminating and getting worse off. And I think that's the importance of your mission is it significantly is a sustainment plan because when you need that therapy, um, whether it's getting involved and being part of the team or just being on the run, you could get involved anytime you want in the cycle or do it yourself. You understand yeah. the practice. You understand how to how to build this. And I imagine there's an evolution of this, how it scales. And then Warrior's Heart. Yeah. So extremely special to me. Uh, as an active duty Green Beret, I went into a 28-day inpatient rehab center. Yeah. While, while an active duty SF dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the work that they're doing and the friends that I've had that have ended up at Warrior's Heart. Um, we actually had a few team members on this trip, so we had a mix. Uh, talk about continued engagement support. I had a mix of, of on the team, Warrior Path alumni, and we had two guys that had just recently been down there at Warrior's Heart. Oh, wow. And receiving that care. And on the front end of this experience, nine days, when you think about overlanding, camping, sitting around a fire, I know one of the first things that pops into my head is cracking a cold beer, sitting around that fire in the evening, enjoying a, you know, a nice meal. Yeah. We went into this trip. We did all nine days completely sober. I love that, man. Committed as a team that no matter what the environment, we're, gonna, we're going to create this memory and this experience as a sober experience, as, as a sober memory. Um, and it was incredible to bring those guys in be able to give them the support and the conviction that we're with you, man, recognizing what you're battling and we're going to expose you to an adventure that doesn't need all that other junk. That's so rad. And dude. it was awesome, man. It was one of the coolest experiences to go through that and know that, uh, I take an approach kind of similar to a lot of our SF training, which is we train in the real world. A lot of the things that we do are in and amongst the community and the population uh, to accomplish training objectives. Two Wolf Foundation's programming isn't in a controlled environment, man. We went from Montana to Arizona. Mm. We're out in the public eye. We're interacting with people. We, that's life. Mm. At that point in the game, to continue to support our tribe and the wellness that we're chasing, you got you to practice it in real life. Mm. And so... For me, not being in that controlled environment, you talked about obstacles present, you know, presented, uh, kind of the, the, the pros of what we encountered and then some of the things that maybe didn't go so well. Um, one of the coolest elements of warrior stewardship to me in involving the overland travel is everything's organic. Mm. Nothing's scripted. And a lot of the guys that we had with us, I'm teaching them the mapping apps that I'm using. We're going into an area. We're utilizing, you know, Onyx and Gaia, mm. being able to do an assessment of, of what may be in the area, but none of us have ever been there. We're going to go hit these trails and push in to go find a spot to live for the night. Might work out, might not. That's so rad. And it was awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, some of the areas that we came across, you know, doing those assessments, assessing trail conditions recognizing the capabilities of the trucks uh, and then how long we're going to be there for all played into ending up in some pretty amazing spots. And you talk about uh, that immersion in nature, man, there were some spots where we pulled into camp and team members just, we laughed about it in camp, like little kids, you just shoot out into the Hills and you're running around and exploring and checking everything out. Uh, and, and man, 
just talk about eliciting those positive emotions and being, you know, being present in the moment, mm. all that other bullshit in life at that moment, all that mattered was that, you know, this team was accomplishing the mission, was immersing into the activity that they were doing. And, uh, we had a few, we had a few hooks thrown our way, mm. uh, but, uh, nothing that on the, on the backside of it, we didn't work as a team and overcome probably the, the, the best example prior to leaving Montana, uh, we, we were partnered with iCamper mm. and they met the, the, the rooftop tents that they produce met every need and requirement that I had assessed regarding how to support these individuals over this period of time, individualized lodging accommodations are, our, our, our Tacoma Tango whiskey one has a rooftop tent on the roof and over the bed to provide those two participants, their own individual accommodations, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, I camper and partnered with multicam. I camper donated one sky camp mini and multicam purchased the other one. And they were going to have them shipped up to us to Montana prior to this, uh, trip. And unfortunately backlog and shipping, things got redirected. They got stuck in salt Lake city. Well, I'm, you know, I know I'm looking at the map. I'm like, that's, that's right on our way. Mm. Uh, rather than let this beat, beat me up and, and reduce the value of the trip. We've already got contingencies. We got, you know, we got ground tents mm -hmm. in case anything breaks. Um, hey, we'll just pick those things up in Salt Lake City on the way. I'm talking to the shipping company for days to get things lined up so that we can do a direct pickup from their depot. And uh, everybody flies in. We had a guy flying from Atlanta, Georgia, from Nashville, Tennessee. We had a guy come from New York uh, and another guy from that was up in Bozeman, Montana and Dallas, Texas. We had guys coming wow. from all across the country to experience this. They get in, we hit, you know, we have a reception dinner and we hit the road. Salt Lake City's day two stop the first night to make these guys sleep in the ground tents. Kind of like a, hey, see, you know, see what that's like. Yeah. We're upgrading you tomorrow. You're going to, you know, yeah. you're going to be in these eye campers. We pull in or we're leaving the dispersed campsite after the first night and no cell phone service all night. As soon as we hit kind of that buffer near the interstate, my phone starts ringing and it's a delivery driver. And he's like, hey, uh, I've got two eye campers that I'm, lo I'm, I'm looking to drop off to you in Montana this morning. And I just, I had to pull over, start breathing. <laughs> we are in the middle. So you're in Salt Lake City there in, in Montana. Route. I'm 90 minutes from Salt Lake City. Wow. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, man, I've, I've been working and planning and preparing for this trip and bringing these people from across the country to experience overlanding. Um, and there's an element of, you know, I'm an SF dude, man. Rule number one, always look cool. Yeah. You can, you're not going to look too cool in a, in a ground tent. They yeah. work. I yeah, like yeah. them. But uh, there was an element of cool to it that those eye campers make it. Yeah. Uh, and they're absolutely awesome. And now I'm like, oh, my goodness. These dudes are going to be having to set up and break down this big four-person tent, you know, at every site. And we're, we're moving. Um, we're going to do it. But holy crap. So we come down. We had set up a tour with Black Rifle Coffee to go tour the BRCC headquarters. I want, I'll confess, I wanted to enjoy the tour. Man, my mind was going like <laughs> a thousand miles an hour trying to problem solve. How do we overcome this, this obstacle? These tents are no longer in Salt Lake City. They're headed, you know, they're in Montana. Um, and what we ended up doing is we looked up iCamper dealers in Salt Lake City. We reached out to Expedition Superstore. Hey, you got any eye campers in stock? And they were like, yep. I'm like, okay, I'm on the way. Here we go. Walk into this store. They don't know us. 
Yeah. Here's five dudes that they have no, we have no relationship. This is Salt Lake City, right? Salt Lake City, yeah. Expedition Superstore. And we walk in and, and I just introduced myself and I said, look, I've got this team of combat veterans that's overlanding from Montana to Arizona to do this stewardship project on the Arizona National Scenic Trail. We had two eye campers we were supposed to pick up. They ain't, they're not here. Um, you guys have two in stock. What is it? What is it? What's it going to take? What do we need to do to be able to walk out with the two that you have in stock and get backfill them with and, the ones and that backfill are, them yeah. direct from eye camper? Um, you know, and I, for me, I'm running through all the liabilities on their end. Like, oh, there's a lot. Oh, dude, man. Yeah. Like, how about you know a, a safety, you know, a security deposit, or give me your credit card. And uh, I'm just looking at it from their end and wargaming the ever living crap out of it and thinking, man, there's no way, like, yeah. there's no way they're going to do this. But we end up on the phone with uh, with you know our team at iCamper. Uh, Mike over there was like, let me see what I can do. And dude, they called back in like 25 minutes, had it set up, and it was just one of those experiences of, you know, kind of being kicked in the gut a little bit, being determined to accomplish the mission, problem solve, assess the situation, and the team as a whole never skipped a beat. They were like, we got this, dude. Like, no matter what the outcome is, yeah, uh, we're in this now. We're going from Montana to Arizona one way or another, and we're going we're gonna to look it up. But for that to take place, mm. that was probably the only and or biggest hiccup in the entire trip was just uh, procuring those two rooftop tents. And by taking that tactical pause, recognizing that, man, you know, we're going to get beat up. You're going to get knocked down. We're going to be presented with challenges. Being surrounded by an incredible team mm. is what made that moment. You guys got to mount it up and everything. Oh, everything. So we we pick those tents up. We strap them down. We drive back over to the Black Rifle Coffee Company headquarters. Uh, they let us pull in the back there, and we're hanging out with uh, Lucas at Grizzly Forge. Awesome. And uh, it, it was just – Tier was out there, and we had uh, just the whole crew mm. hanging out, and the team's getting to work busting boxes and mounting the tents up. And that was you know a true element of the vision for me was seeing these guys just immediately kick it into gear and and be working together to accomplish a task or a mission. And by the end of it, they're all laughing, smiling, joking. Uh, and it was just, it was incredible. That's rad, man. I, I, what, what I love, too, is you make, you make the experience a sober one. I know one of the biggest issues I saw growing up in special operations was alcohol consumption. Um, again, lucky for me early on in my, my entire twenties, I didn't drink. I mean, I became a team sergeant and I, I started drinking <laughs> I make you start drinking. Um, so I didn't, I didn't drink my entire twenties, but I saw the degradation of individuals, their character, and I would say capability overall being degraded by alcohol consumption, whether it was downrange or back home. And uh, recently, you know, Neil Curry, who's a buddy of mine, and Evan Hafer's passed away from suicide. And I say that out loud. Like, I don't want to say it. Part of me is like wants to mask that. But I also want to say it for people who are listening. Like, that's the reality of something that happened. I mean, he killed himself. And why he did it, um, I, won't, I won't guess or make assumptions. But alcohol was involved. Um, 
Philcraft, we actually started a water company. And one of the reasons I started that water company was because um, I wanted alternatives to alcohol and, and still look cool. Um, you don't look cool <laughs> drinking an Aquafina and run a fire. fire. Um, I wanted the aluminum aspect of survival and preparedness. I wanted to give back to c people who were involved in catastrophes. So if we could give back in some way, we'd do that. But when Neil died, I used to drink bourbon every night and, and just crush bottles of bourbon my tolerance is elevated, so I could drink half a bottle of bourbon and be like, I'm good. And like, I'm not drinking to get a buzz. But that's bullshit. I'm, I'm drinking to kind of check out. Yeah. And it really affected my mindset and my health. And what I'll say right now is being in a sober state um, and then spending time with my children, with the people I love and experiences has changed my outlook on everything. Because now I get a buzz off of life i don't need to buzz off of a hit in the bottle and i imagine a lot of the issues that uh you've seen through your own experiences and then being involved and in getting help uh revolve around the the use of alcohol it uh it's one of those things that is just a difficult pathway to manage uh because it was so normalized within yeah. the community yeah uh, you get in the team room, and you know you're going to work hard during the day, but uh, at some point that beer light's going on, mm. and you know whether you're still cranking out inventories of property or working on a training concept or a risk assessment for a range, that beer fridge is just is giving, mm. and uh, it became so normalized that before I knew it, it was you know it just was this regular element and aspect of my life, and. Uh, for a lot of the people that I choose to surround myself with now, we have conversations about the, just the, ne the negative influence that uh, it's led to, or you know, all of the negative experiences. If we look at any moment in time where we found ourselves in a bad spot, <laughs> there, was there was alcohol involved, man. And it's like, how many times am I going to keep doing this? Yeah. And I know that the, on the addiction side, the struggle that, that, those, that people are facing, but ultimately, one of the additional factors of post-traumatic growth, warrior path, two-wolf foundation, is we got to get, we got to crawl out of this victimhood crap. Yeah, for sure. It's a, there is, there is choice involved. I know that addiction is one of those things that is gripping and frightening and just wreaks havoc on the mind. But there's choice in there. Yeah. That you bottle didn't crack the, itself. You have the power of mm -hmm. choice. Um, and at some point in time, you know, we have all felt moments or periods of hitting rock bottom and saying, this, this isn't working anymore. Mm. You begin to restore your, your power of choice and say, that's, this is not necessary for me anymore. Um, for me, overcoming alcohol abuse, just being immersed in the lifestyle of cracking beers or the, you know, a bottle of Jack on a regular basis said I can fill my time more productively with experiences because all, I mean, if I was boozing, I was, I was just drowning it out. I don't even know what I was drowning out. I mean, I loved war. I loved serving. I loved every bit of my military career. I, I was proud of and, mm -hmm. and it was just so normalized as the activity that it just went too far. And now 
this land stewardship effort, number one, like I don't want to go swing a, uh, a pick or be shoveling dirt hungover. That doesn't sound like very fun. Yeah, it sounds gross. <laughs> it sounds horrible. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we talk about alcohol's ability to kind of reduce, you know, inhibition and, and loosen you up in a social. I'm socially awkward as all get out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there was an element of alcohol, you know, the influence of alcohol that loosened me up and allowed me to converse with people. Um, coming through the other side of it now, it's just being honest, just being true and honest. Forget ego. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Uh, I just want you to know that I, you know, that I care about you. I'm glad that you're here and present in that moment. And I don't need alcohol to do that. Yeah. That's, I think taking a lead on that is super important, man. I mean, look, it, it'd be very easy to fit in and go, Hey guys, get a beer. Let's sit around. But you lose something there. I think, I think, I think when you're not forced to cognitively think about your experience and come up with, you know, the solutions yourself, talk about your problems. When you have booze in you, man, it just it's just different, man. And I don't like it. There was uh there was one of the nights where we set up camp and all the chairs are circled up around the fire, got the whole team together. We, you know, just got done cooking dinner. And through that night, we were just l- continuing to learn about one another uh early in the trip and being the being the team leader oversight of this of this trip and I there was a moment there where I sat playing this loop movie in my head that if alcohol was involved all of these conversations would be disrupted by a dude getting up to go over to the cooler to grab another one who you know and I it was just like this is it pissing yep talking shit (laughs) drifting off in conversation yeah all kinds of stuff and it was yeah it was incredible to say like man, this group of people, bring them together. Every one of them knows that, that taste. Uh, and we didn't need it. I'm going to get you guys a Phil Craft water sponsorship. So you just <laughs> taste water. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's we were knocking impactful. some sparkling ices down. Dude, like crush other, it though, because I crush LaCroix, man. That's at, why at I had a, to start a water <laughs> at a dollar a piece. And they got some flavor in there. They Oof. got some carbonation. I was like, enjoy, boys. <laughs> That's what you get. But. Get hydrated. <laughs> um, let's talk about the uh, vehicle component before we let you go. I, I, I'm interested in, you know, we've been having these conversations. I just released uh, recently on YouTube an electric vehicle segment because I'm getting a Ford Lightning that's um, getting to us on loan from Diamondback covers, not Ford. Everybody's like, you're a sellout. Cause you're, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what that means because it's uh, Ford's an American company, but I also understand that uh, there's a lot of controversy behind electric vehicles because of all the climate stuff that's going on. My big debate and argument was consider it because, you know, I told them, you know, down the road, uh, Lake Jordanelle is how I get power to this house. We've got a hydroelectric dam, which is about 80% of all of the power in the country is privately owned. And the majority of it is being, uh, leverage at least in rural areas by hydroelectric dams or hydroelectric anything power right water flowing through a generator so i i uh, i'm interested to get your take on the vehicle component uh and also bugging out you guys have two wolf rigs 
Is that how it's working? And then is there a plan to evolve that? And what is what does a standard rig look like? What are the things you have to have? So in the original concept, um, we were looking at building a five-vehicle fleet, a mix of three Toyota Tacomas and two Forerunners. Yep. Uh, those two platforms, I, I'm a Toyota fanboy. Same. I, I just absolutely love the modularity and the customization, the reliability. And, and they, they're, I mean, they're absolutely awesome. Uh, a big onus to that in... Two Wolf Foundation being Overland centric, uh, you know my entire entry into the nonprofit world. Originally, I wanted it to be long distance backpacking, mm. and uh, you know a lot of a lot of people that I sought their opinion regarding standing up my own nonprofit mm. and being focused in in the outdoors and connection to nature. Dudes were like, "Man, it sounds awesome, but I don't want to walk anymore. Yeah, I don't want to carry heavy Same. stuff and walk." <laughs> and uh, right around the time of COVID hitting, there were two major inspirations that kind of the light bulb went off and it was Expedition Overland, Mm -hmm. Clay and Rochelle. Good friends. Yeah, man. I, we can talk about that another time, but they were a major inspiration, a small group working as a team, experiencing Mm -hmm. significant adventure and the Toyotas, they were, and I, I was already like, you know, Toyotas are awesome. These are even more awesome. Yeah. Um, and then Mike Pfeiffer, last line of defense, Mm -hmm. His weekender lander stuff, uh, I was like, man, there's something to this mm. with regard to rigging out these trucks and these vehicles that can provide and sustain or support this small mission team for X number of days. Uh, and so that's where the overlanding side came in. And, awesome. and just looking at it, I said, okay, five vehicles. If we're four vehicles operational with a fifth in contingency or reserve down on maintenance cycle, um, that, that'd be about the appropriate number regarding an overland you know trip and dealing mm-hmm. with convoying and convoying comms. traffic fitting vehicles into you know into campsites and stuff i think four is an appropriate number three may three may be it after an assessment of this recent trip we ran three we did two toyota tacomas and uh and the forerunner the third tacoma that joined us we we're only at two vehicles the third was uh we had we had a a, f- a Marine veteran join us from go Fa- He's an employee for go fast campers. Awesome. And I met them at expedition, uh, or I met them at overland expo mountain West in Colorado, mm-hmm. go- the go fast camper crew start talking with Ted. And he's like, dude, this is awesome. Like w- what can we do to help? And I'm like, you got any employees that are veterans that you would support their wellness journey and their experience into what tool foundation is that you allow one of your veteran employees. And they were like, big Mike's the dude, man. Yeah, we're in. So they so let rad. they let him come with us on the trip and bring, uh, you know, and bring a third vehicle, um, and the rigs, the Tacoma. We have a 2020. I sold a house in Georgia. Sold off all my other vehicles fit between family and friends. We made about an initial hundred thousand dollar investment into standing two wheel foundation up. We bought a 2021 Toyota Tacoma, and we bought a 2020 Toyota Forerunner. Uh, the, the Tacoma's outfitted up top overland came on as a sponsor, uh, to build out the forerunner, but we had already invested in, you know, getting the Tacoma built out up top overland roof rack and bed rack and method 703s. And we're running, uh, BF Goodrich KO2s on there, ARB old man emu suspension, mm. uh, which is, which has been good on that perfect on yep. that Tacoma for what we're doing for service roads and a mix of, you know highway and, and off-road stuff. Um, and the forerunner is basically stock. And 
you know, I said, hey, if we build out this Tacoma and we make it our flagship and we begin to take this mission to the world and say this is what we're trying to do, uh, looking for incredible partners to build out, you know, the next rig for the fleet and uh, exciting to have Up Top Overland coming on board to do their their uh, 5G alpha roof rack. We're going to get we're, we're involved with running for tacos out of Denver, Colorado. They they were like, yeah, man, we, we want to support this. We're in. So we're going to, they're going to be a build partner. Um, and then have an eye camper and multicam involved. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, Fieldcraft survival is involved and Fieldcraft survival. We'll, we'll kit them out with uh, <laughs> all the loadout, all the mobility bags and med and survival and the visors and get everything loaded out and then get swag for all the people who are involved. Um, and then loadout bags for the guys who are actually taking the training, uh, the training, uh, expedition so that was an issue that we ran into was i encouraged everybody that was coming if you bring you know pack a duffel bring a duffel that fits into the back seats of those trucks pretty good i said if you have a suitcase you know we'll work through it no yeah. big deal but definitely one of the uh, you know one of the aars i realized that number one we started in montana finished in arizona i flew everybody back home out of phoenix um I'm transporting one of the program trucks back to Montana right now. And we've, we we're leaning heavily on uh, a friend to drive the other program truck back. Um, so st- start and end in the same spot mm-hmm. to get all the trucks back to yeah. back to home base, back to HQ. Uh, and then yeah, pack out organization and pack out stuff. We're running some Pelican cases in the mm-hmm. bed of the Tacoma Um kind of a mix of like, you know, some Home Depot or Lowe's totes and stuff like mm-hmm. that to load all the kitchen stuff in. But personal gear, if we start and finish in the same spot, to be able to hand a dude a duffel and say, all your personal items in this, and this is the spot where it's stowed, I think would be a significant value added. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. We got the 80 liter, 40 liter, and the 20 liter that have med and first aid or first aid and uh, survival integrated. That's important. Um, how many of these trips do you anticipate you're going to do a year and how does that look? So the, the current game plan, uh, in looking at, you know, scaling and growth, um, and managing, I'm, I'm running this thing basically with, with some assistance, but I'm running this thing on my own. Um, I think that for the next three years, I want to, I want to run three programs annually mm-hmm. for the next three years and yeah. continue to work out and refine what this looks like, continue to build the appropriate relationships with existing conservation organizations. Um, and I think that that manages, you know, here in the West, fire season is a, is a real thing and it limits a lot of access. It disrupts a lot of, you know, the ability to be out in these areas that we want to work. Uh, but a late spring, late summer, and then mid fall trip, mm-hmm. I think are about the most appropriate. And eventually I'd like to get to running six trips a year. Wow. And they're about a week to two weeks. So this one was a big one. Uh, we're going to look at refining the timeline, uh, as best as we can. The majority of the trips will probably be six days or less. Uh, with one big annual trip a year and and for us in recognizing that in order to be well you have to be doing the work yeah so these big trips we'll be looking at working with our partners like warriors heart and boulder crest foundation and, and other entities that are promoting wellness and 
you know, I envision like a, a recruiting process to select those team members for this big adventure, uh, for this big mission and kicking around the idea. I would love, this may be absolutely unrealistic, but where there's a will, there's a way, uh, two wolf foundation positively impacting every U S national force in the United States. Right. I, I envision a, a recruiting a team that can tag team in and out. I understand that's a major, you know, involvement and in, in investment. But if we put the right people together, the trucks never stop moving, but we just fly people, you know, in and out of areas to conduct link up. Now you're tag, you're it. And they go hit the next four or five national forests and they, you know, conducting camp area cleanups, land stewardship, whatever we can get organized in those areas to have a positive impact and, uh, and let that fleet, that rig positively impact every U.S. national forest led by veterans and first responders. Mm, I love that idea because there's, again, there's outside of the West, every state, every region, every um, place needs help because there's guys in every backyard that needs help. But also there's every national forest in every state that needs help as well. Yeah. And a lot of places are neglected, even on the on the East Coast. Um, I grew up jeeping um, in the Appalachian Trail system, and those things are garbage because yeah. they're just littered. There's Coors Light cans everywhere. Um, so- <laughs> yeah, it's bad. So we finish up with four days up in the Four Peaks Wilderness, mm-hmm. and everybody's packing up. We're getting the rigs loaded. You know, it's time to go home. And I called the whole team and I said, All right, we, got, we got one last project. We have one last mission. And that is, we're gonna, we leave every place better than we found it. Yep. And through the couple days there, I'd been you know, nitpick, grabbing little pieces of trash as I had seen them. But that area that we were in, man, just gross. Yeah. Cra- you know, just broken beer bottles everywhere, cans. We found an area where you know, just, they had just burned piles of trash. <laughs> Um, and nails all in there. You're talking about bringing the rigs in there. So I said, okay, final, final task, man. We're going to leave this place better than we found it. And we did. We executed, picked up. It, we completely sanitized this campsite that we had been living in for four days. And we start heading down the mountain. We're headed back to Phoenix. And uh, the teammate that was riding in the forerunner with me, he goes, all right, man, time for some honesty. He goes, I didn't really like picking up other people's trash. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> I just started laughing. I'm like, good. That's good. Dude, that was it. That was the point to mm. make you angry about the way that people are treating these places that we go to recreate and spend time and immerse in nature, you know, connect to connect to ourselves. The therapeutic landscape aspect. It's not very therapeutic when I'm sitting in piles of garbage out there at a, at a campsite or I want to take my kids mm-hmm. to go on an evening picnic in the national forest. And pull in, and it's just wrecked. Trash all in the fire pit, junk everywhere. I said, good, man. That was the point. Yeah. Because if we're building a coalition of warrior stewards, I need you angry about what you experienced. Yeah. That's what selflessness <laughs> is, right? You have to be able, I mean, we've been picking up people's trash for 20 years in the military. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. Um, I want to be involved. Um, I think it's going to be uh, an amazing experience to be involved in any way, whether it's like – you know, me and Mike Hernandez teach the mobility experience. We actually are partnered with Expedition Overland. Um, we do a whole bunch of content with them. We have content plans, including motorcycle trips uh, for 2023. Um, in February, the first weekend in February, prior 
probably do your spring trip. We have go rigs and coffee. And then at the end of the month, um, we have the mobility experience, which is the last weekend of February, which is down in Spanish Fork. We have access to Kafaru's 2,500-acre uh, uh, ranch. And we, we teach survival, first aid, security, overlanding, maintenance, recovery, all the this, all this stuff. Even driving techniques, because not a lot of people know how to do stuff like that. Yeah. But I'll throw you a slot. I'd love to see you come out and be part of that, because there might be something in there, whether it's the technical training aspect and the protocol or process, that maybe your instructors can go through as a preliminary. I would throw you that training for free. So if you have an instructor you vetted, and you want them to get a baseline of like, hey, this is the base because we run this course four times a year. Uh, we got two slots per mobility experience with Fieldcraft. I want you to get in there, get your baseline training, and come back so you're prepared at least with a foundation of being able to get to the trail and execute. Uh, we'll also outfit you guys' rigs um, and uh, support your staff with anything you want. I'm also going to throw it out because I'm a partner of Black Rebel Coffee. We're going to sponsor you guys with coffee. Um, and see if we can get BRCC fund. I'll get on the phone with Jay Fain to see if we can get BRCC fund to make a donation um, because uh, this is something that needs to be done. But also, selfishly, I just want to be involved, man. I, I, being involved in the backcountry with no can I mean, there will be a media guy there, likely. <laughs> um, but where it's not about that, it's about the mission, um, would be amazing, and it's an amazing mission, man. I, I think what you're doing is important. Uh, I'll leave it to you for closing thoughts. On well, man, I just, I appreciate it. And, yeah. you know, in, in having this, this vision restore my own purpose and identity and, and mission set, mm. you know, to go from being a, a war fighter, that was me. If somebody asked you, who are you? Mm. I'm a green beret. I'm an SF dude. I'm this, I'm that. When that was gone, you know, struggle hard. And now being revitalized, being reinvigorated with this, with having a passion. Now it's just like, okay, I can, can I share this with it, with, with the tribe? And, uh, it's been incredible running into you in the parking lot, the happenstance of, of that moment. Uh, I think that our visions and, and commonalities align greatly mm -hmm. with what we're both trying to accomplish and I, I'm beyond grateful, look forward to attending the mobility uh, training. I think that there are aspects of that that uh, absolutely uh, I'm, I'm thankful to invest that time into and to have your support. Um, and it's just about warriors protecting wild lands. I mean, you know, it's a new mission. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you see that as a, uh, as a valid effort and I, and giving the opportunity to share it with, with your followers, be on the podcast on in the midst of making my way through uh, <laughs> this, this trip. Uh, it's been absolutely awesome. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that, Brian. Um, guys, look at the notes below all the links to Brian's stuff and everything he has going on. Um, I'm also going to have him on the black rifle coffee podcast, uh, later on in this year. Um, I, I think this like a lot of people don't pay attention to this anymore. Veteran advocacy is becoming a not so popular trend. Uh, so people aren't interested in helping gold star families, veterans that are struggling. Um, but telling you from experience, these are 
things that we need to do now, or I'm going to have more casualties outside of the military experience, which is closely approaching that in suicides, than I lost friends in war. Um, and I don't want to see that ha happen. Uh, stand behind this effort. Uh, see how you can get involved. Uh, see all the links below. And uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in to the podcast and supporting uh, these type of important mission sets. Later, guys. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!